Well, who's in charge? Amen. And he is whether we recognize it or not, isn't he? And then, who's being given charge in our lives? For the month of March, we're asking that. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? <laughs> who's being given charge of my life? Because that is an ongoing challenge, isn't it? But saying, you know, I want my way. I want it a certain way. I want to be in control. Just even a little bit, Lord. And the reality is we are the ones ultimately who have to make decisions. But under whom are those decisions being made? Under what primary influence are decisions being made? How can I be a good steward or caretaker? Or caretaker? Caretaker. <laughs> it's something that we can be regularly assessing whether it's really intentionally or, or formally or less so. And I'll explain what I mean by that. It's, it's, it's like keeping a house clean. Our house has, has 14 rooms. We have seven on the main floor. We have seven in the basement. Every year, I might plan for a big spring cleaning. Or not. But supposing I did, vacuuming and dusting and clearing out some of the items that we haven't touched in a year or more and saying we don't need those. And then I might even be diligent after having that one big clean, that I have a cleaning rhythm or a schedule. I'm sure some of you do. You have a cleaning rhythm or a schedule so that every week or every couple of weeks this, this aspect of cleaning gets done or this room gets done. And then, though, without any need for planning or scheduling, you know, from day to day, I am going to be noticing things throughout the house and the different rooms I go in, right? I don't notice if there are some clothes that need to be picked up or some clothes that somebody else needs to pick up or there might be something that needs to be put back in place. Or there might be some dishes in a room that need to be taken out to the kitchen because they need to be washed. There might even be noticeable little bits of, and this is what I do, uh, noticeable little bits of paper or, or, or food or, or big chunks of lint or some spot dusting. And that becomes my primary way of keeping the house clean. I'm sorry. But you know we do both, don't we? We say, you know, I need to intentionally be cleaning. And as I go along, I, I'm going to do cleaning sometimes without even thinking too much of it. And as we address these, these five significant areas in our lives that we started with last week with time, I'm mindful of the fact that we can't always give full attention to every one of them. Because I, I've often thought, Believe it or not, that, that if I were on the other side of hearing all the sermons that, that the pastor preaches or, or the pastors preach, it could become a little overwhelming, couldn't it? Oh man, i got to do that too. Give me all these things, I can't do them all. And, and, and I'm mindful of that because when I do prepare messages, I want to search my heart 
And even more importantly than that, I want the Holy Spirit to search my heart. So that I too am hearing what it is that he is saying to us as a church. And to us individually. But awareness is essential. So that we might along the way, we might at the beginning of the school year, or the beginning of summer, or beginning of a new year, we might actually take some time before the Lord and say, I need to take a little bit of inventory, Lord. Are all the rooms in my life clean? But all throughout the year, we'll be reminded, the Holy Spirit, as we're listening, as we're attentive, He will bring things to mind and say, you need to clean this up. You need to pick that up. Uh, you, need to, you need to go into this room because this is where Jesus wants to take you. And I know you might want to go down to that room and watch some TV, but Jesus wants to take you somewhere else. And he wants to keep cleaning things up inside. And he is patient, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and loving kindness. Amen? Now, not everybody has the same idea of what clean means. As I have just confessed. I went and uh, visited some friends of, of, of my wife's, friends of Tarina's, uh, about a, a week and a half ago. And uh, there are 60-something, there are three of them, they're, they're a 60-something couple and their adult child. And they live in separate condos. So the, the parents live in one and the child lives in the other. So went to the child's condo and it was just, you know, I walked in there and said, oh, this, what a nice space. It was bright, just full of windows. And it, it looked lived in. It wasn't messy at all. It looked lived in, though. The computer was on. There were some things around the computer on the table there. And then in the, on the kitchen table, there were a few things. Uh, didn't look dirty at all. But it looked lived in, the part that I saw. And then I went to the next building where the parents' place was. Oh, my word. You don't know which way I'm going to go, do you? But if you've been around long enough, you're thinking, well, this is going to reflect on me, so probably it's a really neat place. Right? Well, it was. In fact, it was beyond neat. We walked in that place, and, 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 and as I went from room to room and I was shown around, every place, every room looked like something out of a, of, of a furniture display at a store. You know what I mean? Or in a magazine. It was like, Man, I got to, in fact, the first thing I was told when I walked in was, oh, you need to take your shoes off. Because a lot of times when I go visit people, they say, ah, don't worry about your shoes, and I take them off. At the child's place, it didn't matter. You know, you're good, you're, you're, your shoes are clean, it's not that bad out. But man, I walked into that other place, and I realized what an incredibly different understanding of clean that they were experiencing. And I, I want to I encourage you with this, and challenge you with this, that our spiritual cleanliness is infinitely more important than any room, any house, any property that we will ever steward. And I'm sorry to say that I've, I've seen too often, even in my family, 
when the reverse has been true. Uh, I loved to cut the grass when I was a kid, but boy, oh boy, if I scalped was the word that was used when I was doing along the, uh, the flower beds. And if I got the mower too low and it, and it started grinding, I was, man, I, I would take blades of grass. You know what I mean? I would. I'm not making this up. I'd take blades of grass. And put them on I'd try to cover that up. Because I knew that I would, I, I would be told in no uncertain terms that I need to be more careful. Man, I, I, I want to be more careful with my spiritual life than with keeping stuff clean. Amen? And it's not necessarily easy. And I do believe that the, that the cleanliness of our lives is much more of a witness than even the, the manicuredness of our properties. I believe we should be neat. Well, that's important, but not obsessive. If I want to obsess about something, I should obsess about following Jesus and helping others to follow Jesus. If you look at some people who just uh, seem so together in their spiritual lives, and, and they, they look as though they've, man, they, their, 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 their house is spotless. Their spiritual house is, is spotless. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged by that. Keep moving along with Jesus, with your brothers and sisters, in how you manage your time and your relationships and your faith and your finances and your possessions. Those are the other three we're going to touch on. And on the other hand, if, if you know people who respect you a lot, even people who look to you as an example, humbly accept that. Just as Paul would say, do as I do. Wow, what a bold thing to say. But in that similar way, in that similar vein, if you know that people are looking up to you, especially your children and your grandchildren, but it could be anybody that you have relationship with, Take that posture of humility that Jesus took and humbly point to Jesus in your life. I need to point to Jesus in my life. And then let's go out of our way to be aware of how we can help others intentionally to be following Jesus. I witnessed and experienced that just this past week. Uh, so a, a wonderful visit that, that I had uh, at, to one of our life groups, one of our small groups. And I dropped in there. I, I could only get there at a certain time, but when I did, they were well on in, in their time together. And we watched a short, but about a 10-minute clip of Francis Chan. Francis Chan is, is a wonderful uh, communicator, uh, pastor, uh, somebody who is absolutely dedicated to making disciples. Even left his pastoral position, he and his family felt called, and he's, a, he's close to my age. He looks a lot younger. But they, made, they heard the Spirit saying, and, and they have responded to say, we're going to go, we're going to go to Asia, and we are going to 
do what God wants us to do there. At that stage in his life, isn't that incredible? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to hear what the voice of the Holy Spirit may be saying to us? And so anyway, I, I went to that, that uh, life group, and then we had a beautiful time in prayer. It was an absolutely beautiful time in prayer. And the atmosphere was just so encouraging and non-threatening, while at the same time there were some pretty sage, mature believers in that group. Uh, that's what we want. That's what I want in my life. And I am excited about the direction that we're taking as a church with increasing clarity that we want to authentically connect with others with a welcoming spirit at this site. We want to be providing opportunities for people to be continually growing. I want to say thanks to Mike Snyder who's been facilitating on Sunday evenings about how to share our faith. And we're going to continue on that. And I, I, I want to especially say today that beginning the last Sunday evening of March, uh, we're going to begin a parenting series with Carmen Ferber, uh, who is a, who's a, a, a counselor, a licensed counselor, and has done a parenting seminar with uh, some of our folks before and is going to do that again with us for uh, maybe about half a dozen weeks. And so I, I just want to encourage you, and please spread that word too, that uh, anybody who would like some wise, uh, she's been a mom to a lot of people, <laughs> uh, some wise advice, some wise counsel that's grounded in the word of God, that'll be on Sunday evenings. And we want to be intentionally engaging with people who don't know Jesus. Jesus said to us, go into the world and make disciples, Right? I might have said this before, that's okay, because I'll probably say it again, because this is really, really, really important to me. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. And we have made the mistake, I believe, that we have so separated outreach or evangelism and discipleship that our understanding and definition of discipleship does not line up with what Jesus said. That we have confined discipleship or discipling, which is what I would prefer to call it because it's an ongoing activity. But we have said, well, discipling is about what believers do. But Jesus said, go into the world. He didn't say, go to the synagogue or go to the people who are already following me. And now you guys, you make disciples. No, he said, go into the world. So the starting place for discipling is in the world. And that's why we absolutely must not become insular. Amen? But we sure need to lift up the name of Jesus high. Who's the boss of our relationships? If you're like I am, um, relationships alone are such a, are, are like a big house. <laughs> More rooms than we can keep up with. How can I keep all of these relationships going? And what's really struck me as I was asking God to focus on relationships was there's just so much. And of course, we could do a whole series on relationships. There are two particular interactions 
that came to me this week, interactions that Jesus had with people. And I said, thank you, Lord, all the more, because they're actually both found in, in the same chapter. In Matthew's gospel, or good news, the biography that Matthew wrote of Jesus, and in Mark's and in Luke's, um, all three of the, these gospels, they have, they have this uh, accounting of these accounts. So I invite you to Matthew chapter 19, and we'll have the, the text on, on the screen as well. And I invite you to read with me these three verses, Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now I've referenced this passage before. And I'm referencing it again because I believe this is what the Holy Spirit uh, highlighted to me. And there is for me a resounding message about Jesus' relational posture when we see what he did with these children. It's the same approach that he took with people of all ages, people who were genuinely speaking, seeking spiritually, or as we highlighted last week, people who are underdogs, who are marginalized, people who are rejected, people who are overlooked, and people, including children, who are sometimes pushed aside. I do not believe that children are to be seen and not heard. I also believe that children need to be well disciplined and obey their parents. Jesus was welcoming. Jesus was, was safe. Jesus can be trusted. That's the kind of posture that I see with him at that situation that he was modeling for the disciples and all the people who were there to see. I want that to be said of me. I want that to be said of us. You know those people at Wilmot Center Church, they are... Um, they're welcoming. They are, they're safe to be with. I mean, they're all different. They're all kinds of different personalities and, and so on. But, but I, feel, I feel that among them, I, I, I can feel safe and, and, and I can feel trust. It's one of the greatest things that I can ever hear from somebody, especially if they don't know Jesus, to say, I trust you. I trust you. Because I, I, I've, seen, I've seen the character of Christ. might not be the way they say it, but that's what, that's what they've seen. That's what, that's what I want. Jesus had and has this posture of welcome, hands outreached, with a smile on his face, saying, let the children come to me. Don't turn them away, boys, to the disciples. Don't turn them away. I, I, I so like what Mano said about, about Koinonia Church. Koinonia Community Church. Uh, a, a place where the Holy Spirit is present, I believe, and a people in whom the Holy Spirit is very present and active. And they say, we want to be a kind of church that has in mind 
passing this on to our children. Oh, my word. That changes some things uh, about, about how I operate. But it must never change the message. Jesus would even have invited this baby, born last month in Brazil, captured people's hearts because she looked like she was very unhappy that she had been pulled from her very warm and safe and comfortable room in the womb. Uh, she's adorable in a very different way. <laughs> Please mark, Pastor Mark Chester, who, who, who uh, pastored last up, up in uh, North Bay at, at an EMCC. Pastor Mark Chester uh, was an evangelist. He spent quite a bit of time in revival meetings. And I remember, I, I, I cannot shake what he said to me, that in his study of revivals, Every revival came after a word from the Lord through a child. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that influence or maybe even challenge some perspective? And he, was, he said, everyone I've studied, there's been a word from the Lord that came through a child. Amen. Amen. At Norma Cooper's celebration service, um, one of Norma and Kevin's grandchildren walked right up to the podium here. Were, were any of you here and saw that? And he, he did this. Before I fell in love with children, man, I would have been annoyed by that. Oh, man. But I was sitting right over there, and I, I so wanted to take a picture. I thought, it was, I thought it was just such a beautiful relief in the midst of a celebration service for his grandmother. And it was even something of uh, a spiritual tribute. And he was up here, and, and he was making no noise. He was well-behaved. But he just saw this cool little window over here. and He stepped right in there. Like it was an elevator. <laughs> it was awesome. I learned from the example of the pastor who, who, who supervised my internship. His name was Ed Prosser. Some of you would have known him. And Pastor Ed Prosser acknowledged children because he believed they were every bit as important as their parents were. So when he met the parents, he would he, he, he'd lower his his position, and he'd say hi to the kids too. I'd say, thank you, well, what a great example that I endeavor to follow. And youth too. Wasn't last week a beautiful example, for those of you who were here, a beautiful example of authentically connecting, of genuinely appreciating those students. Uh, Mark Dom, uh, the head of our, of our worship ministry, who is also the head of music at the high school, uh, Mark told me that they felt special. Because they are. It means a lot to students on any Sunday to be acknowledged and encouraged when there's opportunity. Please do not sell yourself short by believing the lie 
that they want nothing to do with you just because you're older. I mean, the reality is most of them won't hang out with you, but let me encourage you. <laughs> they won't hang out with me either. But let me encourage you that even saying hi to them, saying hi to them by name, saying hi to them, goes a long way. Goes a long way to encourage. We want it to be reciprocal, but we don't wait for the other one to make the first move. You take that step and you encourage and you welcome them and you encourage them. Because we want to be speaking into the lives of every generation, not just to get saved, but we want to speak into their lives to help them, because everyone who follows Jesus is a minister. If we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we are ministers, we are servants. And we want to help them in the development of their gifts. We want to help them in the development of their faith. And even doing that little thing, who knows when that window that's been opened will lead to a door through which a student will walk to talk to somebody older that's not necessarily their parents because we need those relationships. We want to carry that forward. We want to be a welcoming people all the time. Amen? We want to be a welcoming people, making our guests and our newer family members who make Wilmot Center home feel welcome at least. And special is even better. <laughs> now, go to the other, uh, the other passage in Matthew 19. And let's read this together. I, I don't, won't have a ton to say, but, but it's, really, it's, it's such a, an incredible encounter that we can learn from. Let's read together. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus said, there's only one who is good. Now we might say, well then I can't be, can I? We said, no, this is the point. There's only one who is the source of goodness and actually embodies goodness and is goodness. And he's the one who wants to give us goodness. Spiritual and eternal goodness from the inside out. And the things that Jesus referenced were some of the Ten Commandments. Jesus saying there's some really important things that we need to live out. The thing that I see about Jesus here, as well as with the children, is that not only was Jesus welcoming, but Jesus was very present. 
He was very aware. Now, of course, he was physically present. Another word might be engaged. He was really paying attention. Jesus often answered questions with a thought-provoking question, a probing question. And that's a common, wise response from the people of Israel. It's not unusual. And in Mark's account of this incident, he's got this beautiful observation that Jesus loved this young man. And while some people who were present there probably loved him too, or wanted to love him because he was rich, Jesus loved him because he was a precious creature of God, made by God, that Jesus wanted to see follow him. And Jesus gave him, Jesus knew what he needed, and he said, this is the stumbling block for you. So you need to get rid of this. You need to sell everything you have because you're completely attached to it. Being present is first and foremost about depending on the Holy Spirit. Depending on the Spirit of Christ for insight, for wisdom, and for love. That's where we need to start. We need to start from a posture of listening. Being present is listening to get to know somebody's story. And that can take a long time. Being present is about acknowledging them and encouraging them in their story that they would intersect with Jesus. And then in, in their continuing story of discipling, if they're a believer. And present also cares enough to challenge kindly and lovingly. And to push people kindly and lovingly. Especially when you know that you have the trust and you have the respect. I want to invite the, the musicians up and just tell you a, a, a quick little story about how this was modeled for me. Uh, I was a younger pastor and I had a very, very difficult staff decision to make. And it was just, it was wrecking me. And I thought I knew what needed to be done. But it, it happened completely unexpectedly for me. Well, I drove with a, the then president of the EMCC. And I drove with him to a meeting from Kitchener to Markham. And then we drove back home. We stopped in Kitchener and we live out in Plattsville. And when we got to the parking lot in Kitchener, I realized that I had locked my keys in my car. And I, I couldn't get in. He said, that's no problem. It was 11 p.m. It had been a long evening. And he said, that's fine. I'll drive you home. No problem. I said, really? He said, yeah, that's fine. It was a God-ordained moment, God-ordained time, because during that hour of driving out and driving back, I said, can you help me with something? I'm just really struggling with this decision. And so for that full hour and then another half hour after we got back, so I didn't get home until after one, he just so graciously kept asking me questions, coaching me through this. And what is God saying to you? you know, he said, I, 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 hear you, I hear you know what you need to do. You just need to do it. 
And I so thank the Lord that there was somebody that he brought along that I needed to speak into my situation right at that time. And that's how God spoke. That's how the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We never know when a new relationship will start or when we will be needed in a relationship to be that support, to be that encouragement, maybe to be that word of warning and that word of concern to somebody. That we would be friends of whoever God brings along. To whatever depth we discern we need to go as friends.